morning as we open the word of God to our first scripture of Joel 2, starting in verse 28. And afterwards, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire, billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. Before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the survivors whom the Lord calls. The second reading is from 1 Corinthians 12. Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God, working all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he gives them to each one, just as he determines. The body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though, in, though all its parts are many, they form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honourable we treat with special honour, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need special, no special treatment, but God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honour to the parts that lack it. 
so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it, and in the church has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of ministration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. All are apostles. Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But eagerly desire the greater gifts. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Peter. Well, good morning, everyone. It's really great to be here and to be able to have the privilege of speaking to you this morning. Let's pray first. Father, we just thank you for the time of worship that we just had so that we can come into your presence. We ask you now to open our hearts and our minds and our eyes to see you this morning. We ask that in your powerful name. Amen. You know, frequently I have to pinch myself to realise that God wants to use someone like me. I've chosen the two readings this morning for obvious reasons. If it's not obvious to you, I will explain. I would not be standing here if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit. The overflow of the Holy Spirit in my life means everything to me. The Holy Spirit brings power in my walk with Jesus. But it hasn't always been that way. I've been a follower of Jesus for now for over 60 years. I'm getting old. And uh, well, it was some 20 years after I gave my life to Jesus, that I encountered the power of the Holy Spirit. And so much so that it filled me to overflowing. I was, as some would say, slain in the Spirit. The power was so much, so great. And it was after that encounter that I began to discover gifts I would be equipped with. I was surprised that there was more than one. And as we grow in our spiritual walk with God, God gives us those gifts. And I think God gives us those gifts so that we can be an influence 
to others. An influence to all those here in church, all those uh, homes that we go to after we leave here, the encounters that we have on the way, at work, at school, everywhere we go, we take the Holy Spirit with us. So if we have that way of influencing others, we can also mention we can be kind, we can have a, a word in season, and we've been so designed by God that we can influence others. We have a, a way of influencing or speaking, and sometimes that can be just a smile or a look, a word of comfort. What some uh, socialists say, and they tell us that the most introverted person, and that was me at one, one time, you wouldn't believe it now, but the most introverted person will influence 10,000 other people during his or her lifetime. That's quite amazing, isn't it? Can you think of people who have had an influence on your life? An African proverb puts it, if, you're th if you think you're too small to make a difference, you haven't spent the night with a mosquito. Well, the mosquito makes a difference in an annoying way, doesn't it? But the principle is the same. One person's kindness can save a life. Another person can be a voice of truth. Our encounters with the Father can be gentle or quite dramatic. And when we become a follower of Jesus, became, become a Christian, our lives are changed inside out. When you become a Christian, you are a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And we read in Romans 10 and uh, 1 Corinthians 12 that there are different gifts of the Spirit. In our New Testament reading, verse 7 we read, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Which basically means every member of the body of Christ has been given a spiritual gift. That is the evidence of the spirits working in their lives. Maybe some of you, like me, in my early walk with Jesus, I asked him several times, what gift of the Spirit have I been given? You know, one would be good, God. What is it? And I could not honestly say. As Nicky Gumbel says in the Alpha Course, 
I was like the boiler that was running on standby with the pilot light on, waiting for the thermostat to kick in, then whoosh, it burst into life. That's what it's like when you're filled with the Spirit. So Jesus wants us running on full power. He wants our lives to be transformed by the infilling of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we, who with unveiled voices all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. When we ask the Holy Spirit to come and flood our lives, our lives and walk with Jesus are transformed. Jesus said in Luke 24, 49, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. And that is a reference to Joel 2, 28 to 29, which we read this morning. I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. It also says in verse 32, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen, yeah. yeah. The coming of the Holy Spirit was fulfilled in Acts 2, at Pentecost. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind come from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I was given an analogy once that if you are filled with the Spirit, we keep on leaking. We're like a watering can with hole in the bottom. The water runs out, the Spirit runs out, and it constantly needs to be topped up. That is the situation. But um, I've got a small clip here of uh, someone called John Wimber, if we could play that now, just have a listen. As I read the New Testament, I fell in love with Jesus. Didn't you? I liked him. I liked what he was like. I liked the things he did. I liked the things he said. Didn't you like those things? I thought that stuff was hot. I liked it when he multiplied the bread. You like that one? Huh? How about it? You like that? And the fishes, you know, the sardines? I always picture sardines. I like that stuff. I like all that stuff, you know? I liked it when he went by the fig tree and said, mm, you know? <laughs> and it died. Can you picture him doing that? I like all that stuff. I like it. I remember last night, come forth. That's a biggie, you know? I mean, that's hot. There are not many guys doing that come forth thing, you know, telling anybody to come up from the dead. I like all that stuff. And when I became a Christian, I thought that's what I was going to do. 
I spent several weeks reading the New Testament and talking with these people, and I thought, this is great. You know, I'm going to join up. I want to do this stuff. And so I remember the frustration of attending church the first few times. You know what I thought they did at church? Now, this is how stupid I was. I thought you, that people gathered at the church, had a good time together, sort of divvied up the land, and then everybody went out and healed a few and cast out a few demons and won a few people to Christ before lunch. And so the first few times I went to church, I went prepared with the idea that we're going to, you know, ha, I'm going to take Anaheim. I want to go to Anaheim, you know, the deepest, darkest pagan Anaheim over there by Disneyland. That's where I want to go because that's where I was raised. And when they didn't do it, I was disappointed. And I remember one day asking a guy about it. I said, well, when do we go out and do it? He said, what? I said, when do we go out and do it? He says, oh, you don't have to do it. You just have to believe it was done once. Now, that's pathetic, <laughs> isn't it? I found out over the next year or two that we cried about it, we sang about it, we preached about it, we prayed over it, we gave to it, but we never did it. <laughs> we never got to go do the things that Jesus did. And I grew disillusioned in the process. Now, you know, when I worked for the devil, he let me do his stuff. <laughs> Didn't he let you do his stuff? He let me do his stuff. But when I came to work for Jesus, they didn't want to let me do his stuff. And I, to tell you the truth, I joined up to do the stuff. Did you? You see, it's doing the stuff that's going to change the world. It's not knowing it was done once. It's not knowing that it's important. It's doing it that's going to change the world. Somewhere, someplace, somebody's got to start believing this book and acting on it. And I figure it might as well be us. We're qualified. We can read and write, most of us. And we understand that it can be done. That's why I called uh, my talk today, When Do We Do The Stuff? It's, a, it's really a quote from John Wimber. And uh, John Wimber uh, actually left his church where he became a Christian and he formed the Vineyard Movement. Uh, and that was what prompted him, when do we do the stuff? And uh, I, I, I really feel that we're at a time of expectancy in our church where we can do the stuff, where we can expect miracles, we can expect healings, we can expect people turning to Christ. And of course, John Wimber was saying there that he went out to do the stuff. And uh, we can, if we're filled with the Spirit, to overflowing, that overflow of the Spirit has got to reach and touch other people.
Well, do you want to do the stuff? That's the big question, isn't it? Do you want to do the stuff that Jesus and his disciples did? Do you want more of the power that equipped the disciples like Peter, John and James? That power calls you away from your old life to the new life that Jesus has for you. Jesus has a new life for each one of us. And as I said before, I've discovered that you could be a Christian for many years and have the Spirit within you because you can't say that Jesus is Lord without being, being, having the Spirit within you. But it's the power of God's Spirit to overflowing within you that you will see a change in your walk with Jesus. Holy Spirit, when I was filled with the Spirit, gave me a boldness. My timidity faded into the background. And maybe you feel like that. Acts 4.13 says, when they saw the courage, the boldness of Peter and John, they realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished. And they took note that they had been with Jesus. Isn't that encouraging? I, found, I find this so helpful that ordinary folk, and in the scripture it was ordinary fishermen, but ordinary folks like you and me doing the works of Jesus. Who wants to do the works of Jesus? Oh, there's a few. Okay. That's encouraging. Well, Acts 2, 20, uh, 43 says, Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. They saw and experienced a power that had not been seen before. They experienced a love for each other, a commitment to each other. If Jesus came back today, would he recognize us as this church? Jesus walked in now. Would he recognize us as his church? You know, do you know Jesus or do you just know about him? That's a good question, isn't it? Do you know Jesus or do you just know about him? Do you know him in your heart? If, if anyone is here today who just knows about him, but wants to get to know him, you know, speak to me afterwards. We can talk about that. Peter, the fisherman, preached his socks off that Pentecost. And uh, it says in verse 40 in that chapter 2, with many words he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. I find it difficult to visualize that. If we go up into the marketplace and preach, what a whole company of 
Swanley up there would be converted. That's difficult to imagine, isn't it? But we can do it in easy stages. In step by step, we can do this. Uh, I was in the market on Wednesday and I spoke to a lady who was sitting on one of the benches. It was obvious that she had some pain. She had just had a knee operation and she was finding it difficult to walk. But I spoke to her and I said to her, um, I'm out from the church today. I want to pray with you if that's okay. I've got a New Testament for you. Just like this one. I said, do you know Jesus? Well, heard about him. Do you know God? Yeah, of course I've heard about God. Do you follow him? Well, I don't know. Well, that was a, a key for me to uh, open this book. And the, sh the short story is that this, this lady, are we being recorded? We are. Um, I won't say her name then. But this lady, um, she said she couldn't read. So I, I said, you're, you're a Romany, are you? She said, yes. I said, what I can do, if you want to give your life to Jesus, all it needs is to say a prayer. And he will come in and be with you for the rest of your days. And I read the prayer out to her, sentence by sentence, as she repeated it after me. And she committed her life to Jesus last Wednesday. We can pray for her. We can pray for her as a church, that she will follow that through and become a, a powerful disciple for Jesus. And we can pray for a knee that that operation will have its desired effect and there'll be a complete healing for her. One by one. <laughs> if it takes one by one, that's what it takes. Well, John 16, verse... 13 says, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Well, I, I do feel that Jesus is calling us, his church, to express that same love that he showed us to each of those around us. to everyone that we meet. And this is sacrificial love. It costs us in all kinds of ways. Our love for him comes out of his love for us. We need the power of Holy Spirit in our lives. We constantly need to be filled with that power to be powerful disciples. I believe the Great Commission in Matthew 28 is quite a radical command. And we need to be radical Christians. We need to stand up for what we believe in. Society 
authority will be offended by that. But we need to stand for what we believe. People should sit up and take notice. When we look at scripture, Jesus is calling us to be willing to suffer anything, forsake anything for the gospel. His call is to love those who have cheated us, to love those who've spread untrue rumours about us, to love those whom we have nothing in common, to those who irritate us, <laughs> to those who disagree with us politically, practically and fundamentally. The call of Jesus is total surrender. It says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 to 10, and I'll paraphrase this, his power is made perfect in our weakness, that when we are weak, we are strong. And that's why we need more of his power. That's why we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So, I'll ask the question again. Do you want to do the stuff? So, those who want to do the stuff, I'm going to pray that Holy Spirit comes now. And if you want to do the stuff, stand up and we'll pray. Stand up as a powerful witness to Jesus this morning and we pray that Holy Spirit will come fill each one of us afresh with his power I should have said those who are able stand Holy Spirit we ask you to come now come and fill each one of us with your power, with your resurrection power. Come. Refresh us. Anoint us. Anoint us with fresh gifts of the Spirit. Thank you. I feel Spirit is calling some of us out to be communicators of the gospel, to be evangelists. But all of us here are called to be witnesses. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. More, Lord. More, Lord.
this final blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace all through this week. Amen. Amen. So we'll take our last song.